Welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, my name's John. Uh, with me this evening uh, is Colin. Good evening. Uh, and Colin has been at Stamford Bridge today where Watford unfortunately lost uh, 3-0 uh, to Chelsea. Um, that's a, a strange scoreline in many ways for how the game panned out. And we'll, we'll get to that in the podcast. But, but let, let's start with, as you, as you turned up there, Colin, at a top six club at Stamford Bridge, where we've been to a lot, even not just in the Premier League. We've been there, you know, FA Cup games seem to be every year there for a while. When you turned up there, were your feelings different today than they were previously? They were, actually. I, I, had, a, I had a very good feeling about today's game. I think Javi has been very clever at managing the squad since we uh, won the semi-final because, you know, like all fans, you, you've got your eyes open, haven't you? You're looking to see who's up for it, who's trying to protect themselves, um, who's fighting for, for a place in that final eleven. who looks a little bit complacent, thinks, oh, I'm going to get picked anyway, so I can just, I can, I can drop off, I don't want to get injured, I don't want to pick up a yellow card or whatever. But actually, I think Javi's been very good. And even though we've had disappointing results, we certainly haven't had disappointing performances entirely. I thought we played very well against Arsenal with 10 men. Uh, we were a bit disappointing against Southampton. We were so shocked, rocked by the early goal. But we fought, we fought and fought and fought and scored a goal in the 93rd minute. So you can't really complain about the level of effort. You can complain about the clinical nature of the performance. And it was a bit the same today, really. But with it being Chelsea being a top six side, you, you were going in confident, you were going in... Yeah, I'm totally confident. I don't think, I think they're really bang average, this Chelsea side, apart from Eden Hazard. Uh, and, and it was proved today. It was absolutely proved. I was, I was confident that we have got a much better midfield than they've got. And even without Kapu, Chalabar came in for Kapu, but nothing really seemed to change. Shalabar did really, really quite well when you consider he's barely played for a, a year or two years even. We just, uh, we controlled the ball better. We, we, we were better on the ball. We were better off the ball. Um, we closed them down. They just, they, we were all over them, John, in the first half. I mean, it was ridiculous. We were the top six side and they were the side, you know, that was looking for a top 10 finish. It really was like that. And you talk to anyone that was at the game, including Chelsea fans. And I listened to a lot of Chelsea fans coming out of the ground and they were not happy with the, the level of performance, particularly in the first half. Yeah, it seemed to, for me like it was the, the exact opposite of Watford. We seem to have done not so well in first half this year, but had an amazing second half. But it was the other way around. Well, you say that. I mean, it was very similar to the performance at Old Trafford in that we totally bossed the game at Old Trafford in the first half, or at least until Luke Shaw knocked that ball in for Rashford to go and, and, and get the, the first goal. Again, we, we used the ball better than them. The players had a, had, seemed to have a better appetite and then they were technically better. That, this was the really bizarre thing today, watching that first half of football. We were technically better than them. We were able to keep the ball in very, very tight areas where we were being pressed heavily and find little gaps, little space, little passes and work the ball out from the, the area which was congested and find space. I mean, there were, there were some really fantastic performances from Watford players today. But um, we were let down by not being able to score when we had periods of pressure. Uh, and then we were let down in the beginning of the second half, as we have done previously against, for instance, City when we played up there, conceding goals very early in the second half. It was very frustrating. So there were two changes to the starting eleven. We sort of hinted already. Chalabar changing him, and, and it didn't seem like we sort of, as an as a overall midfield, missed a beat. 
No, not at all. He, he, Chalabar came in and was clearly given instructions to sit very deep in, in the way that Kapu has. And so he sat in front of the back four and he did a lot of very good tidy work. He wasn't anything spectacular, but he, he didn't give the ball away. He was, he was winning the ball. He was certainly uh, trying to cut off their supply to their forwards. Uh, I thought he played very well. And it, it's not easy to come in. There's a lot of noise around Chalabar, isn't there? Because uh, he was this sort of young gun. He's had 97 uh, performances for England, or 98 if you count his five minutes as a senior England player. But he's had 97 under 21, under 18, under 15, whatever performances. He, you know, there's a lot of noise. He was at Chelsea. He was going to stay. He left. He went on loan seven or eight, six or seven times, and then he was sold. And he came to us, and he looked like, oh, we've got ourselves a bargain there. Then the injury. So there's still quite a lot of noise. And whenever he appears on in a Watford shirt, it's like, oh, what's he going to be like? Is he going to be good? Uh, it was the same when we were at Woking earlier in the season in the third round of the Cup. But today I thought he didn't try too hard. He wasn't trying to impress anybody. He just did his job. And actually he looked pretty good. Uh, he was he was taken off um, in the second half and cleverly came on. And I suspect that was just to do with he hasn't played. And you know you can't expect a player who hasn't played for so long to play 90 minutes. But I, I thought we saw little glimpses of the Chalabar that we, that we hope to see in the future. So I think it was... It was fine. We didn't look suddenly like there was a big hole in our midfield, uh, which you could easily have expected bringing in a player like Chalabar, who's had so little game time. But actually, I thought he did his job really well. Decore, on the other hand, who has been a little bit off par, if you like, a bit under par in recent performances, was absolutely back to his best today. He was outstanding. That's really interesting because I got a, um, a WhatsApp message from Hollywood, from Kieran, and he said oh, yes. fans around him were hammering Decore. Well... Well, not 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 around you then. Well, no, not around me. I mean, go figure. Uh, he did. He was he was his irascible best, winning the ball, fighting for the ball. When he got the ball, he was able to keep it in really really tight areas with two or three men trying to get it off him, and then able to find a little bit of space so he could make a pass across the midfield uh, to Chalabar or back to Cathcart um, or use Holobas. He was just he was just he was very very much in control of that midfield for the whole of the first half. Second half, everything changed, but. Really, I thought we saw Decore doing all that kind of. It's the work that you know. It's the work that you don't that you don't always see, and lots of football fans don't see that work. They just want him to be doing something extravagant. But what he was doing today was being, you know, the the epitome of a hardworking, technically gifted midfielder, the sort of player that that we've seen in the past, and the sort of player that lots of clubs bigger than us, you know, have shown a lot of interest in him because of his ability. Well, that, that ability and then where does it go next? Uh, or does it go anywhere? Um, I'm sure it'll be uh, a big chat on the podcast. You know what? I don't think he will go. I, I've, got, I've had a strong sense yeah. that there's there's a few options, aren't there, in our in our squad that, that may or may not go. Uh, we know about, obviously, Pereira and De La Feo, their possibilities. But I, I just have this feeling that actually he's just going to stick. He's going to stay. I just have that feeling. I may be completely wrong and someone might come in and offer 35, 40 million quid for him. Uh, and if if that does happen, then yeah, fair enough. Let it let him go. We need you know that's that's part of our model. But at the moment, he doesn't seem like a player that's playing to leave. Well, that's the thing about like the the money you you know you, you gave a, a thirty five forty million. And I know we don't live in that world. It's a weird world when you come to football transfers and the ridiculous sum of the money that they are. Um, and and that's the big question with him is is it forty million? Is it fifty million? Is it sixty million that will make the pots go? Yep, off you go. Or are they aware of him and his age and what they what they can get from him in terms of 
you know, are we now selling him at his peak? To you know, sort of, you know, we get the most amount of money from him. I'm just not quite sure where he is. You know, we don't know the, the depth and the, the the nuances of of him and you know, his you know needs at this point uh, of his of his life of his of his career. So I think we will be really interesting to see if if he goes. I personally think another year here and he would be set literally for life. You know, it isn't a a, a whim. It, it's he would be a fully fledged professional footballer at the top top level and he would definitely need a step in another year's time now i'm still not 100 sure he needs that step up to another club but, but again that will happen uh, over the well, summer he, yeah we'll see i mean he signed a long contract so they do that to protect his value obviously and he does it to get a pay rise and there's nothing wrong with that um you know the pot says don't let players run their contracts down unless they're not interested in keeping them but Having signed that new contract, uh, you're able to obviously protect him from being sold for or being put under pressure to sell him for less money than he's worth. It's all about whether the, whether the club, the owners and the people who run the club, look at this season, which, OK, we've had a slightly disappointing last few games and there's no question about that. But overall, this has been our best season in the Premier League of the four. We've got more points. We've got to a cup final, not a semi-final, as we did in the first season. We've been more consistent. Uh, we've played 25 games against the other 13 clubs, and we've only lost four times, which is a, which is which is incredibly consistent and it, and a, and, a, and a sign of togetherness and um, team spirit and good tactics and fitness. We haven't really had the same problems with injuries that we've had in previous seasons. So to go to, and we've got West Ham, which is the 26th game against the other 13. And if we don't lose that, we'll have lost four out of 26. Now that's an incredible record against the other 13. We've been abject against the top six, as we know, we've only had the one victory. But if they think, right, we've got something here, we're going to try and build on what we've got uh, and maybe add to it. Uh, and try and go again and have another season like this against teams like Leicester and Everton, who are clearly going to you know, keep improving because they've got bigger budgets than us. Then maybe keeping Decore is a really, really good part of the plan, rather than saying, look, if someone comes in with £40 million, we can use that money, we can balance the books or whatever. Maybe if the ambition is right and they feel that this is the moment, you keep Decore and try and help him out by bringing in uh, some some other players uh, to improve the quality of the squad. If you think... We've reached a peak with this squad and we need to let some players go and then go again with the money that we get from those players. And we could we could raise quite a lot of money from selling two or three players this summer without really putting ourselves in too much trouble, I would say. Then you can say, OK, well, we'll let these players go. We'll take this money and we'll go again. And maybe in two or three years, we'll be back to this level and maybe we can go a bit further. So that's a decision for the board, isn't it? And it's a decision for Scott and, and for Gino to decide which is the moment. Where's the moment where we... We, we try to build on the ambition and the success of this season or we say, you oh, know, we've reached the top of that little hillock, if you like, and then we're going to let some of these players go because we can get good money for them. They're at their peak and then we'll, we'll try and bring in some new players and we'll try and build back up there in the next couple of seasons. It, it's tough for a club with our budget and the size that we've got. We can't hold on to all our players because... Obviously, we need to release players in order to to get the funds that we need because we haven't got a massive stadium with forty thousand people coming every week. Mm. So it's it's a tough one, and I guess we'll find out um, by watching what they do in the summer. But it's, it's a tricky one. But I can see a, a scenario where Decore stays definitely. 
Well, as we know from uh, looking at the Swiss Rambles breakdown of our finances, um, I think we made a loss last financial year. But then once we'd sold Richarlison, of course, that, that all balanced up. So, you know, money does need to come in uh, from from selling those players, even though we're now a Premier League football club. But another player who came in, uh, who's had a couple of games rest, uh, is, is Troy. Uh, he was yeah. back up front with Delefeu. Um, had his three abs- three games absence um, for his red card, and and you know the the feeling has been that maybe this sort of loss of momentum, not necessarily down to Troy, but sort of really shone a light on the the weaknesses and the limitations that we have in terms of our attack. You know, today, for example, I think I made the comparison last week. You know, look at the fact that we had Gray and success to come off the bench. Yeah. as well as Troy and Delafeu to start the game. It feels like we've got a little bit more you know, to, to go rather than what did feel like for those three games was there not much really to change uh, and to, to put more threats on if, if we were behind like we were against Southampton. So did it feel again like him being up front just gave us the... That, that vibe that, that that we've been getting in the successful games Watford have had this season? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a fulcrum for our side. And uh, he was up against David Luiz. Although, interestingly, he wasn't up against David Luiz for the whole game. Because I think at some point, David Luiz said, you know what, I'm done with this guy. Can, you get someone, <laughs> can I go somewhere else? Because I'm fed up of him. Because he won pretty much every single header for the first half. He gave David Luiz... Uh, a torrid time. And the and the really important tactical aspect, and I know we talked about this a couple of seasons ago, if, or was it last season, I can't remember. When Deeney does that, he takes Luis completely out of the game. And Luis is important to Chelsea uh, because he's able to bring the ball out into midfield and get the and get them going. And he can get the ball into Hazard from from his you know, from he can come out with the ball, get to nearly the halfway line and play a forward pass. When Deeney's playing against him, he can't do that. He just has to sit because he knows that Dini is too dangerous to leave. He can't go. He has to sit with him. He can't go ahead of him because the ball comes over the top. Troy fulfills a very important function when we play Chelsea, particularly if they're playing with three at the back. And he did that really well today. But, but there are limitations. And you know there were times when I just wanted the side to shoot to shoot on goal. We had good opportunities in the first half. Around, around the D, you know, out to the left of the box, right to the box, and we we just we're looking always looking for the perfect pass to walk the ball in, and I just and I and I don't. It's not like I'm being Neanderthal about this and saying you just when you get the ball shoot the goal. The thing about shooting is that if you do it fairly regularly in the first half of a football match, the defence expect you to do it. And if the defence expect you to get the ball down and shoot at the goal, they will they will react differently. Yeah. They will try to block a shot. Whereas if they know you're not going to, you're going to pass it back out wide again, you're going to try and find the perfect ball inside, they, they defend in a totally different way. And if you do shoot and you scare them into thinking they get the ball and they're going to shoot, they will defend in a different way. They will come, to, they will come towards the ball, which will leave you space for other players. And we didn't shoot. And as a, as a result, they were comfortable covering the wider players, Pereira, Delafeu, or whoever was up in support of Dini. And, and that's frustrating because there were a couple... And Decore is the same. He's very very backwards in coming forwards in terms of shooting. He gets himself into some great positions, 20 yards out, just shoot. You know, most of the time it'll go to the keeper, it'll go wide, it'll go over the bar. 
but you change the mentality of the defenders. You make them think differently, and it's really important that, that we do that. And we were predictable today. We're constantly looking to get the ball back out wide. We'd bring it in, we'd go out wide, it would come back in. And we had long, long periods of pressure in the first half, and we weren't able to capitalise on them. And it was, I mean, there was one unbelievable save from a Dini header, which was sort of, you thought, that's in, and then suddenly his hand comes out and pushes it aside. But but mostly we, we seem hesitant to actually finish the move, if you like, um, because they think, well, if I shoot and I miss, then we've got to start all over again. It's like, but that doesn't matter. We've got so much pressure on, on, on their defence. We should be looking to shoot more and, and frighten the goalkeeper. And, you know, we have scored a lot of goals from outside the box this season. Wolves away and Decore scored a couple and there's been lots of goals from from you know, what you might call slightly speculative shots but you know that you've got to push the defence into thinking they're going to shoot they're going but to is shoot that, <laughs> is that not modern day football being so possession heavy and no, teams is. worrying about counter attacks but you know if Taylor was in the dugout he'd be screaming his head off shoot shoot at the goal you cannot score unless you shoot even if you have to pass it in from six yards, you've still had to kick the ball towards the goal. So you've got to, if you're going to score, you've got to shoot. So shoot. And he would have been doing, tearing his hair out. You remember that, that um, for, from the Vicarage Live, I forget who it was. Was it Wilf Rostron said that, you know, he would keep a tally, Taylor, of how many yeah. times he shot a goal. And if you didn't meet the tally that he'd set you, you got, you know, you got a dressing down. And we need a bit of that. You know, we do because we get ourselves into great positions and then you can see the mindset, think, oh, I could shoot here and they go, oh, no, I'll pass it back out to Kiko. But then, then is, that, is that the recycled. fact that we don't have what you would call two strikers? We have two well, attacking players, one striker in Troy Deeney, one striker when he's off and, and Gray starts, but we don't actually have two strikers. No, but very few teams play with two strikers. But I would, I would absolutely 100% agree with you. It's clear to me from watching him that Delafeu is not committed to the idea of being a striker. He's not. He's been told, asked, told to play up there with Dini. But he still plays like an attacking midfielder. He doesn't play like a striker. And that is something in his head. And we were walking away from the ground today and he'd had, you know, he'd had a decent game but there were moments when and this is his other problem there are other <laughs> there are moments when you think there's a player in a better position than you Gerard and you should pass the ball to him but he doesn't do it he holds on to the ball mm. he wants to do it himself and I admire that ambition most of the time but there are times when you think there's the pass we can see the pass pass it there was one particular Pereira where Pereira's in a much better position and when he doesn't pass and he puts his foot on it and he tries to recycle himself as an individual, the, the, the game gets slowed down and then he's in a cul-de-sac and then he'll try and shoot or he'll hit a, he'll hit a player and it'll come out of defence. And, and that's why he's playing for us because <laughs> if, he, if, he was, if he was more of a team player or more aware in the way that Glenn Hoddle talks about pictures in his head, if he had those pictures in his head and he was able to take it on when it was the right thing to do and, and lay it off when it was the right thing to do and then make a move. There were times when I thought, if you pass it to Pereira and move, you'll get the ball back, Jerry. But if you hold on to the ball, you can't do anything. They've come back and covered you. And it's very frustrating. And I think partly that's to do with a flaw in his own game, his own nature, in that he is a boy that likes to get on the ball and keep the ball. 
and do it himself. He doesn't look up. He's not thinking, where's the best pass for me? Where's the best pass and I can get it back? I can make that pass and move and get it back. He doesn't think that way. He, he's very much an individual within our, within our side. But the other thing is that he's not fully committed to being a striker. He's not taking up positions where a striker would take up positions, even if he's the second striker around Deeney. Deeney won a lot of balls today, a lot of headers, flick-ons. He was up against Luis in the first half. Delefeu never, ever went in behind him. Yeah. Never. And Gray does. Gray sits on the shoulder, ball comes high. He thinks Deeney's going to win that. He's going to nod it on and I'm going to be there to pick it up and score. And Delefeu never, he always is short, always short. And Deeney doesn't want to head the ball backwards. He wants to head it over the defender into a dangerous area. And and that's to do with Delefeu's mentality that he doesn't see himself as a second striker. And it is, you know, Gray is not as good a player. There's no doubt about it. Technically, he's not as good a player as Delefeu, but he does, he is naturally a striker. He sees himself as a striker. His identity is a striker. And he gets himself into positions where he can score. We saw it against Palace in the quarterfinal of the Cup. Delefeu would never have been in that position. Never. He would never have made that run in behind the defenders for Pereira's pass and to just toe poke it in. And and that's that's a problem for Javi. He doesn't, we've basically got one striker and five midfielders. But he's not truly a number 10 either. So for my money, Delefeu is a winger and that's where he should play. But he's also one of our most talented players. So you think, OK, so you want to push him up front and try and get him. And he scored quite a lot of goals. He scored 10 goals or something, 11 goals this season. So it's a conundrum, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a tricky one to, to solve. But you can see his, his shortcomings. You can see his strengths, obviously, but you can also see his shortcomings. And they were very evident today. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about the uh, need for certain areas in the squad in a, in a, in a summer podcast. Uh, we look <laughs> ahead to the following season, but we'll, we'll leave that one for now. Um, second it half, does feel though, like we're a few, you know, a couple of pieces away from being a really, really consistently good side all the time. It does feel a bit like that. So, second half, uh, yeah. pretty much undone in about five minutes by just set pieces. <laughs> just yeah. it wasn't particularly a dominant Chelsea that, that took over uh, and, and won that game 3-0. They, were, they weren't horrendously better than the first half, were they? No, no. It was all about us. And um, they played a short corner, uh, which went back to the corner taker, all came over, goal. I mean, it was like, you couldn't make it any simpler. Three minutes, four minutes later, corner, ball into the box, David Luiz heads it in the goal. I mean, it was... <laughs> It was we made it so easy for them, and the third goal was even was just it was so soft. He just let the let Iguain come onto the ball. He just flicks it over Foster. I don't know. We don't seem to be able to stop that from happening. It seems to happen a great deal. We, I mean, obviously the Southampton goal was an accident, if you like. The goal against Arsenal was was a mistake, but we seem to make these. We seem to go one nil down an awful lot. And it's something that has to be stopped. And it happened today. I mean, that was their first, Chelsea's first real chance was their first goal, which is on the 48th minute or 50th minute, whenever it was. They were really, they were really poor, Chelsea. I can't, I can't really uh, emphasise it enough. They were really, really ordinary everywhere. At the back, at the front, in the middle. Uh, they just, if it wasn't for Hazard, who also didn't have a, a great game by any means, you know, he stands out as the best player on the park by miles. But, he wasn't really able to influence. We handled him quite quite well. They were very, very ordinary. And 3-0 win flatters them terribly. But I think that 
you know, they've got a lot of improving to do. They were they were really, really poor. And on another day, if we'd been able to take our chances in the first half, you know, it's been said a million times, we could easily have gone on and won that game. And we're Watford and they're Chelsea. The gap is not is not huge. In fact, I would say for long periods of the game, even when we were behind, we were still the better side. We were still playing better football than them. We were still moving the ball better, keeping the ball better. But we just weren't able to, to create clear-cut chances to get us either back in the game or ahead in the game. But set pieces seem to be a little bit of a, an Achilles heel for us. Again, maybe something that we need to address um, with, with, in, in, this, in the summer. Um, but the, let's, let's, be, let's look back in the, this season. It's the penultimate game of the season. It's the, the final away game of the season. Um, how have you, how you felt about Watford's away form? There's been, uh, there's been some, some great away days, particularly early on, uh, away at, at Burnley. Do you think we've been a, a good away team this year, Colin? Yeah, very good. I mean, I go back to this stat about the uh, the other 13. We played 13 away games against teams that are not considered to be the top six. Uh, and we've lost to Newcastle, which we shouldn't have done, but those, those results happen from time to time. We lost at Leicester. Mm, that's it. Out of 13 away games against the teams that we are really competing against, we've lost twice. So 11 games, we either won or drew. And that's, an, that's a hell of a good record in anybody's book, I think. Especially when you consider last season where we couldn't, we couldn't even score a goal away from home or let alone win a game. And so I, th- I think we've improved massively as a team, as a club, away from home. You know, we've had some really good victories. We won at West Ham, we won at Wolves. Uh, you know, we've, we won at Crystal Palace. We got a good draw at Everton. Should have been a win if it hadn't been for uh, the free kick right at the last minute. You know, we've we've had some very very good performances. We we play differently away from home than we do uh, at home. If anything, we're more adventurous. I think when we're away from home. But yeah, I think I think we've really improved in that area. I think we're a, we're a tough team to play against. But we just have this Achilles heel, which is that we very very often go a goal behind and make life very difficult for us, home and away. But what about the top six? Because you know it feels like that's almost like the you know when you look, you know we only beat Tottenham. I know that sounds like a ridiculous thing to say as a Watford fan. Oh, we only beat one of the top six teams. But it feels like we could have done so so much better against Manchester United, against Arsenal, against Chelsea today. We could have done so much better, but we haven't got those results. And maybe that's the the reason why you know we we aren't going to finish seventh and and guaranteed uh, a spot in Europe. Um, they they seem to be on the whole again that top six this year you know a lot a lot weaker um, none of them are, are being consistent especially at the moment uh, no definitely not so is there something against those teams that particularly that we, we we aren't aren't doing that we are doing against the rest of of the league well it's easier to defend against the other thirteen and it's easier to score against them because they're not as good. And what we found difficult is that we have found it very hard to score against top six sides. And we've also found it very hard to keep clean sheets against them. And that's because you make one mistake and they go one nil up. You make the same mistake against Burnley, goes over the bar. And that's really the difference. But I also think there's another element to it. And it's good in a way because it's a challenge for next season. Is that we seem to have a slight inferiority complex when we play those teams. We play very well. Uh, but then we don't quite believe that we're going to that we're going to get something. That's what it feels like, and it felt a bit like that today. All the way through the first half, was that we, everyone around me was going, "It's clear what's going to happen today. We're going to play really well, and we're going to lose." 
And that's what happened. And that's, in fact, I don't think that's a mentality in the players' heads. It doesn't look like we really genuinely believe that we're going to win. That's what it feels like. Whereas when we play the other clubs, you can sense that kind of muscularity in, in the squad, in the players, on the pitch. We're going to win this game. We're certainly not going to lose it. Saw it against Southampton. We're not losing this game. We are not losing this game. And they've got their equaliser in the 93rd minute. And, and you don't quite see that same forceful attitude when we play the top six. There's a slight sort of diffidence, a slight hesitation. And, and it, it goes back to this thing about shooting. They go, well, we can't shoot because I can't waste the position I'm in. I'm in a really good position, but if I shoot and it misses or the keeper says, we've got to start again and I don't want to waste that. So I'm going to pass it out to Kiko. I'm going to pass it back out to Pereira. And we're, going to tr- we're going to try and keep the ball in this area until we get the perfect opportunity. And actually, that's, we don't do that against the other teams. We, we get an opportunity and we take it because we know we're going to get another one because we, we've got that confidence. When we play the top six, we don't play with that confidence. And I think that that's something, it's a, it's a mental thing and it, it probably needs some work on in the summer to say, look, you know, we've got a bet. I would say, and, and uh, some people might think I'm mad, but I think our midfield, if you take Capu, Decore, Hughes and Pereira, is better than probably two of the top six, possibly three. When you consider how well we played at Old Trafford against Pogba and Matic, was it? And, you know, we outplayed them. And we outplayed... Uh, Arsenal for long periods with 10 men and we outplayed Chelsea today in midfield. Our midfield is really the engine room and the strength of our club. But, you know, there are times when the the attackers don't look like they're as confident as the midfield players are and certainly the defenders make mistakes and, and which lead to goals. And, that, and I think that's why we've had a poor record against them. I think it's a combination of quality in the wrong places uh, or no, quality in the midfield but not enough quality in the other two sectors. And also, I think there's a mental aspect to why we don't finish off or get results against those top six. And I think it's something that really needs to be worked on. Because if you want to finish seventh, like Wolves are going to, you, you can afford a couple of bad results against Huddersfield. But if you're getting results against Manchester United, Tottenham at Wembley and so on, you're giving yourself a much better chance of finishing higher up the table. Well, the, the, the win against a, a big six is probably going to really you know, mentally give you you strength yeah. for the next run of games not just the uh just the fact that you you, you you've beaten them uh in in the whole of the season I th- Colin I think if, if we had a secretary at this point he or she would be uh, uh taking notes uh, of things to do this summer for what for football club <laughs> but we, 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 we will we will bring we'll all that together that time, in, yeah, in another yeah. time uh, because there's still yeah. another game of football in the Premier League and oh yes that uh, FA Cup final uh, in two weeks' time, <laughs> uh, let's just—I I still can't believe when I say that. It's amazing. Um, but, but next week it's West Ham, where we can say, "Oh, it's the fight for tenth, which sounds a ridiculous thing to to want as a as a footballer. Uh, it's uh, well, as, a, as a football fan, uh, it's probably worth a couple of million quid, I suppose, mm. if you if you finish one one place, which is yeah. a very nice thing to have. I'd have it if no one else wants it. But is it more than that? Especially with 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 this game against Manchester City at, at Wembley you know all we've beaten West Ham it's, it's not going to give us the you know, hundred, you know the massive huge burst of energy that will, that will do us better in the cup final um, it's just just going to be a lovely end to the season by, by winning that and finishing 10th mm, and, and it's 10th so. like if we did finish 11th would that be such a dampener on the season um, it would be a bit I think 
I think the the avowed aim was to finish as high as we could, and I think a top ten finish was something that the club certainly would like. It's good to finish in the top half of the table, um, particularly when all the pundits were predicting that we were going to get relegated. But I think there's a lot going on this game. I think p- players are playing for position. They're playing for their place in that final. I thought Kiko put down a marker today. And if I was Daryl Yamba, I'd be looking at him today and thinking, oh, that's me out of the cup final. Because he was, you know, he was terrific. Holobas, you know, I would say probably first choice at left back. I think we all know that. Um, I would say that Cavaselli, who didn't play today, will probably start against West Ham because he'll be th- because or he'll be thinking, hmm, I've got a chance of getting in that cup final now because if I get picked, if I train well this week and get picked and I put in a good performance against West Ham, he won't drop me for maps. I think Gray also might start against West Ham. If he puts in a very good performance, he might get the start against City, although I suspect we'll play a very, very different kind of formation against them. I'd be surprised if we played two strikers against them because when we played up at the Etihad, we played a 4-5-1 and actually we were able to do well against them until the, the enormously offside goal that Sterling scored and then we slightly collapsed. So, But I still think there's players that are thinking, hmm... If I if I can have a good week and get in that side, or if I can if I can do what I did today against Chelsea again against West Ham, I'm definitely going to have that berth in the cup final side. And I don't think we should underestimate f- for these players how important it is to get in that starting eleven because some of them will never get this opportunity again. Uh, and so it, it's a once in a lifetime situation for Dini, for Capu, um, maybe not for Decore, we don't know, but maybe for Kiko. He just you know certainly for Cathcart. Maps, Cabaselli, you, you could argue that this is their this is their chance to play in a cup final. They might not get this chance again. So I think that there should be a good level of intensity in the game against West Ham. And if we win it, we'll have done the double over them. A team that was very lauded at the beginning of the season and it's expected to do much better than they've done. So that's a feather in our cap. Finishing in 10th spot is is important, not just for the two million, but also I think it, it could provide a bit of momentum into that last week of training before the cup final. So I think it's important that we don't lay down tools and say, well, we're just all going to look after ourselves. This game doesn't really matter because it doesn't really matter. But there's there's something to be had from putting in a good performance as individuals, as a team, getting the win and getting that momentum into the final. So I, I think, I hope that we'll see, you know, a really, really good home performance. Beat them 2-0, have a little, uh, you know, troll around the, the ground saying thank you to everyone, get all the children on the, on the pitch mm-hmm. as, as uh, is tradition these days and then get down to the hard work of getting ready to work out how on earth we're going to beat City. Yeah, that's the question uh, and I will discuss that one. <laughs> Fortunately, it's for big, greater minds than mine. Greater minds than mine are going to try and figure that out. Uh, next week's podcast, we're, we're going to be uh, running down the top 10 uh, of the season for Watford. That doesn't include the cup final or the semi-final. They're a bit too different uh, beasts. So we'll run that down next week. And then uh, the week during the week before FA Cup final, uh, we'll do a special preview podcast. So any views you have on, on what we do need to do, Colin sort of said he, he's not quite sure. Well, he, 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 I think in, we put in the, in the in the corner, Colin said, pick a team, tell them how they'll play. I reckon you could pick a decent side and a, a decent strategy. But if there's any feelings you have uh, about what Watford should do, uh, in that, for that preview podcast we're going to be doing then do get involved podcast at fromtherookerend.com on the email uh, and also get involved via social media at Waffle Podcast can we thank everybody uh, who decided to get involved with our t-shirts and we put it out there because we, we, we designed some t-shirts we wanted to get some t-shirts made for us for the, for the cup final um, and we had to get 50 made to see to, for the print run 
and we said right let's 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 see if anyone wants to get involved can we get 50 people and we got more than 50 of you uh signed up uh, for uh, some t-shirts which will be arriving this week and we'll send them out or even deliver them if you live in the local Watford area uh, ourselves uh, to get them out to you ready for the uh, for the 18th so thank you very much for everybody who uh, has got involved uh, and uh, purchased a t-shirt uh, from us so we'll be wearing those uh, on the cup final day thank you very much Colin thank you very much uh, and uh, we'll speak to you again uh, next week when Watford are at home to West Ham United at the end of a Premier League season, knowing there is another one to come and there is an FA Cup final a week away. Come on, you horns!